Welcome to the latest episode of Schneps Connects. We're going to be talking a little bit about media and, and the entertainment industries in New York City, which is a big driver of our local economy. And we're happy to have with us today Anne Del Castillo, who is the commissioner of New York City Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment. She's a native New Yorker with more than 25 years of experience in film and TV production, public media and arts and nonprofit administration. She leads the media office of media entertainment efforts to bolster the city's creative sectors of film, TV, theater, music, advertising, publishing, and digital content creation, as well as nightlife. The mission is to ensure New York City continues to be the creative capital of the world by supporting these industries and ensuring that they work for New Yorkers. In 2019, the creative industries accounted for more than 500,000 local jobs and annually have an economic impact of $150 billion. It comprises four divisions, the Office of Film, Theater and Broadcasting, NYC Media, the Office of Nightlife, and Educational and Workforce Development Initiatives. So, Anne, thank you so much for being with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. So that's a lot of area to cover, a lot of ground yes. to cover in the capital of the world. So if you can, maybe just share a little bit more about you know, yourself and, and your role. Uh, absolutely. I actually joined the Mayor's Office of Media and Entertainment back in 2014 um, under Commissioner Lopez. I joined as general counsel and then towards the end of her term was appointed chief operating officer and then served under Commissioner Menon and was appointed I myself was appointed in April of 2019 um, in the commissioner role, but I came to the job having worked in um, independent media, public media, and nonprofit arts administration. So um, it was very exciting to be able to come to the office and work with so many industries that I've had the privilege of working through uh, with throughout my career. And truth be told, the office looks very different than when I first started. When I first started, mm -hmm. we were really focused on the film production permitting our workforce training programs in that in the film television space and running NYC Media, the municipal broadcast radio and uh, television network. And it's really only in the last six years that we our portfolio was expanded to include support for all of the creative sectors. Kind of as a compliment to the work that our colleagues at the Department of Cultural Affairs do. You know, they work primarily in the nonprofit grant making space, but there really hadn't been an agency that was explicitly, expressly dedicated to serving the creative sectors. And so I think it's a real testament to the administration that they saw what a robust economic generator these sectors are and put that under our portfolio. Um, and then rounded it out really with the Office of Nightlife, which mm. does have a true intersection with um, so much of the creative economy. I see it all as New York City's creativity a lot of the workers overlap uh, between hospitality and arts and entertainment, but also they work well together. You go see a show, you go have dinner, right? So having that all under our purview, I think has really allowed the city to think a bit more holistically about how they're approaching these sectors. Very interesting. You know, let's just talk about nightlife a little bit since that's, mm -hmm. you know, I would say, you know, newer to the portfolio of responsibilities, but I have to imagine that, that industry, you know, took a took a major hit because of the pandemic, and it's still probably in recovery. So, yes. what have been some of your roles um, for nightlife throughout this uh, last year and a half? So, I mean, actually, it was nightlife and arts and entertainment. Everything that was in our portfolio was the first mm -hmm. to shut down um, during yeah. the pandemic, and 
some of the first things that we actually tried to get up really were our hospitality sector, particularly in terms of dining. And so some of the things that we had to work with them on immediately were what were the rules for takeout and delivery? Because that was part of the industry that was allowed to continue to stay open. So making sure that they understood what the parameters for that were, making sure that they had information about how to access PPE. And then for some of the workers that were displaced that they couldn't bring back, making sure that they had access to information about what sort of supports were available at the city, state, and government level in terms of unemployment benefits, et cetera. And then also what some of the, the funding programs were available, you know, the, the PPP program. I always yep. conflate, <laughs> confuse those two terms, but uh, PPP loans, um, small business grants. Um, and so that was what our focus was in really the initial days. I mean, that first two to four weeks is a bit of a blur. I think hmm. everybody thought we were only going to be shut down for a couple of weeks right. initially. And then it became very quickly apparent that that was not going to be the case. And so then throughout the pandemic, then, so first it was takeout and delivery. And then it was, how do you operate if you want to do outdoor dining, right? Mm-hmm. And then once indoor dining came online, you know, what were the rules? So it's really been a lot of communication about what is the guidance, um, what are the rules, what kind of supports are available to restaurants, just to make sure that they knew what to expect. You know, that's one of the things that the office put together was an inspection checklist so that um, restaurants and, and establishments would know how to prepare and how to present themselves. And it's been tough. You know, I, I have to yeah, say cool. it's been really tough to see. There were so many establishments that shut down um, that just couldn't sustain uh, the long-term shutdowns. And then venues as well. We're really trying to work with them to help them get back up and running. We're, we're very happy to see a lot of them really start to open earlier this summer. And we're continuing that conversation with them. It sounds like the scope of the, the role of your team must have changed dramatically. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, I think the pandemic really brought into focus the need for an office of nightlife mm. in a way that we might not have anticipated, you know, being that connective tissue between the hospitality sector, the nightlife sector, and all of the city agencies and services um, has been a real critical piece of the work that the office has been doing. And I give so much credit to um, Ariel Pallets and the team because this is a new office and this was not with the kind of right. work that they necessarily expected to be doing, um, but they really came through. And, and we actually issued a report earlier this year that chronicles the first three years of the office's work, and you can really see how much they've been able to do in a, in a pretty short period of time, just navigating this 24-hour city with 25,000 uh, establishments is, is no small feat, but they've really been present ever since day one. Terrific. Let's talk a little bit about the film and, and TV sector, because it's huge. It really is massive. We have a lot of prominent studios, and then you see a lot of these independent, I guess, content creators are building their own studios. So from one of your recent reports, I believe it was $82 billion in economic output that the film and TV sector was responsible for with 185,000 jobs and $18 billion in wages. So, I mean, those are just huge numbers. Tell us about how that industry is coming out of the pandemic in terms of film shoots and production. So that was actually one of the bright spots of the pandemic. They were actually one of the first industries to shut down on their of their own volition they they sort mm. of uh because it's uh there's so much global movement in that sector they were starting to see that they needed to shut down and, and again they thought it was going to be a couple of weeks but we were on the ground with them 
again, from day one, really trying to understand, like, initially it was, well, how long do you think you're going to be shut down? And then when we realized it was going to be longer term, it was, what's the minimum amount of crew that you could have to come back and bring back some sort of activity, right? New York City's bread and butter does tend to be television production, um, which is great because it's year round. And we have, prior to the pandemic, we had about 80 shows um, in that in the year leading up to the pandemic, which is amazing. Because if you think about how many episodes there are per show, sure. it's a lot of filming, a lot of jobs. And so the industry was able to work, you know, it's a logistics industry, right? So that they're always making contingency plans. And so between the studios and the unions, they really worked out a set of protocols that would allow them to come back in a safe way. They, they really had to rethink how they were doing production. Typically when you're doing production, you're right up on top of each other. And so they really had to take a hard look at how they were going to work together. And so they set up a zone system and a, a variety of protocols that they all adopted and that were in line with city and state guidelines too, in terms of health protocols. And so there was a little bit that came back in June and July, but the real work started to come back in August and September. And we saw shows as early as September making their season premieres. So um, they, were, they were very quick to come back and they've been going. Uh, you know, we've, we've had on average, we've had about 30 to 35 shows on the ground at any given time, which is about what we had prior to the pandemic. So, it, you know, we've, in, in terms of television production, we're pretty much where we were at pre-pandemic. And with the newer studios coming online, I think we're going to start to see a lot more production. And I feel like New York City is obviously one of the, I would say, the most iconic city in the world. But I, I would assume it's still important to have production shoot here because tourism is still so critical to our overall economy. Yes. So, and that's sort of what I was alluding to earlier in terms of like how integrated these sectors are, right? Some of people's first experiences of New York are on the screen. And that's what makes them want to come here, mm -hmm. um, either to yeah. visit or to live or, you know, to get into the business. And I, I think one of the things that we might take for granted as New Yorkers because it's part of our everyday experience is that we have so much talent here, not just in terms of like showbiz talent, but we have legal and financial services that really know how to support this industry. We have hospitality that works really hand in glove when we do film premieres or show premieres. Um, and so it's a really um, integrated network of industries that really set New York City's identity as a creative capital. I know that sounds very pat, yeah. Yeah. But it's true, you know, that like you can be in the middle of the desert somewhere in another land. And if you say that you're from New York, one of the first questions will likely be, have you been to Broadway? You know, and yeah. so yeah. that presence is um, is really important for our identity. And uh, and I think the numbers show like how much it fuels. Is Broadway under your purview? Yes. So talk about the reopening that's obviously something people have been waiting a long time for. Yes. Yes. Well, we're very excited. We see a number of shows are, are coming back. We had Springsteen come back in July, um, Springsteen on Broadway. And then a new work, Passover, just opened a couple of weeks ago, which to see new work open in the middle of this uh, yep. is amazing. And some of the more longstanding shows will be having their release uh, in the next couple of weeks. And Broadway is going to be doing a huge campaign to spotlight all of the shows that are coming back. I think uh, September 14th is a big day that shows are coming back. It's been really, again, difficult for them because they've been shut down the whole time, but they've been finding ways to keep people engaged, keep audiences engaged. Um, 
online, but the, the experience of coming into theater is you just can't replicate that online. So to be able to have um, live performance come back to New York City is, is, is really, really important. And I think we'll see a resurgence of tourism. We were starting to see it um, over the summer and, and the opening of Broadway, I think, will, will really build that momentum. Is each theater and production setting their own guidelines as far as people coming into theaters, or is that something that they're working with? No, Broadway has actually set announced that they will only have vaccinated audiences. So they're very committed to, you know, maintaining the public health because they know that that's what's necessary in order to keep the doors open. And so they've taken a, a pretty clear stance on on how they're going to welcome back audiences. You know, going back to, to nightlife, I know, um, this past year, there was talk about trying to create a 24-7 district. Mm-hmm. Is that something that your office was also involved in in communicating with? Uh, the uh, owners, so the in the report, there were a number of recommendations set forth, and I think this was one of them. We can't make that happen unilaterally, and, mm-hmm. and, and it shouldn't happen that way. It really is something that should be reviewed and developed in conjunction with communities and um, industry and a number of agencies would need to be involved in that. And, and, but I think there is some interest in that and, and that conversation is, is gaining a little bit of momentum. But I think it's gaining momentum in the context of, we know that we want nightlife to come back. So let's explore as many potential solutions as we can. So yeah. what it will look like at the end of that conversation, I'm not sure, but I'm delighted to see people really trying to think about creative ways that we can support our nightlife sector. They're also trying to catch up on lost hours of partying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I, and, I, and, and I know this is going to sound really like wonkish of me, but that is obviously a, certainly a key element of it. But there is so much creativity that's born in the nightlife space, mm. right? Like if you think about the cultural movements that were born out of New York City in that space, punk, disco, you know, it's like it's a very organic development. Um, that is very unique to nightlife. And I, and I just want to make sure that that doesn't get lost in the conversation because I think too often people focus on this like party aspect and lose sight of like the real creativity and community that's born out of nightlife. Yes, absolutely. Talk a little bit about uh, the education and training under your umbrella. Because I know that yeah, you guys so have facilities and, and courses. So could you share a little bit about that? And if anyone you know, wants to get more information on it? Absolutely. This has been a, a real key piece of the work that we've been doing in our office. Um, you know, as we're working to support the sustainable growth of these industries, we want to ensure that New Yorkers have opportunities um, in these spaces. And so one of the earliest iterations of our workforce programs was the Made in New York Production Training, Production Assistant Training Program, uh, which is actually in its 15th year. Uh, we have nearly a thousand graduates from that program many of whom have gone on to work on location on films and have actually moved up the ranks and are now hiring PAs that are graduating out of that program. That actually has become a model for some of our other training programs. So we have a post-production training program. We also have um, a theatrical workforce program where it's backstage work, right? Uh, Because a lot of these jobs are union jobs. And so we want to create pathways um, to those jobs. And so we develop the curriculum and training in consultation with the employers to make sure that we're training them in the skills that um, they're looking for. Um, but it's it's kind of a multi-tiered approach that we have. So we do career exposure in schools. We work with the public schools. Um, we actually uh, had our third public school film festival. Despite the pandemic, we were able to still feature uh, 
pull together this showcase of work from public school students, which is amazing work. We have internship programs. We've partnered with Real Works, um, which is a nonprofit media arts organization that works with young people in New York City to develop this program called Media Makers, where we've assembled an advisory council, major media companies um, to advise on the types of skills that they're looking for so that we can build this sort of credentialing system for people that are in high school, moving up through college. It's also a partnership with CUNY so that they get credits for the, the kind of work that they're doing. Because some of these young people, they're doing work as, as young as 16 and, and then they're coming out sometimes more experienced than the yeah, people coming sure. out of film school. So um, so we built this program called Media Makers with them. And then in addition to our workforce training programs, we also do a lot of um, professional development programs. So we have a program called the Made in New York Talks where we bring in professionals to do panel discussions, provide networking opportunities. So there's a really holistic approach to how we can build interest and talent for the creative sectors. And all of those programs are listed on our website, which is nyc.gov slash M-O-M-E. And it's, it's a pretty robust selection of, um, of programs that people can opt into. Uh, the training programs are free for New Yorkers, and they, they are specifically geared towards New Yorkers who are unemployed or underemployed, likely haven't worked in production at all. And uh, it's a concentrated period of time because we realize people can't be out of work for that long. And then there's a pretty significant um, placement rate thereafter. That's terrific. And it's a great resource. What about the studios? Don't you have a couple of studios in New York City? For, there's a lot of studios in New York. Um, so, uh, and, and a lot of them are expanding right now too. So are there the, some that are though, that are operated by New York city for training purposes? No, there our programs are based on the stages, right? So for example, like, um, the made in New York production assistant training program and the post-production program are both based at the Brooklyn Navy yard, which oh, is where Steiner studios is also based. Sure. The idea there was really to have a production hub and a hub for creativity because there's also a lot of makerspace out there as well. And so it just really fuels that sense of creativity and connection and provides our program participants with opportunities to see what the broad scope of creative process is. We do partner with some of the stages. I would say actually Netflix, which is a the one of the newer arrivals on the scene, just is opening their studio in Bushwick. Mm, yeah. And what was really great to see is one of the first tours that they did were with New York City workforce programs um, because they're really committed to working with local organizations to build talent for their productions. Netflix is sort of unique in that they are a content producer um, as well as a studio operator. And so they really have a say in terms of like who is going to be working on those productions um, and how they want to um, build their production centers. So that piece is very exciting. And I think we'll probably see more follow suit in the, in the coming years. I love it. You know, last question for you, looking back, you know, this has obviously been such a challenging time and it seems that your role and that your whole team's role had to evolve. It's like, almost like you didn't have a choice being thrown into yes. water, sink or swim kind of thing. But what would you say, you know, you're most proud of in terms of the accomplishments that your team has help support? And, you know, what do you think are going to be the biggest challenges for the media and entertainment industry? in New York City going into the future? There's a number of programs that I could speak to, like our training programs, our Women's Fund um, for Media, Music, and Theater, which provides funding for female-identified creatives making music, theater productions, television, and digital projects. There's a lot that we've 
um, created. But I think, honestly, one of the things that I am most proud of is the way that we were able to lead the creative community through this pandemic. Mm. Um, that was not what I had envisioned my role as commissioner to be, right, certainly. Sure. And as you rightly pointed out, like these sectors are fairly new to our portfolio. And so finding a way to support them and connect to them and really make sure that they were represented at the table and understood what government has been able to offer them, that to me is the thing that I'm most proud of because it really shows the commitment of city government to lifting up these sectors that are so critical to our identity. Um, in terms of the future, you know, I think that is something that needs to continue. Uh, we need to reaffirm the commitment of this agency in the next administration to supporting the creative sectors in this way, really understanding what their economic impact is, what do they bring in terms of jobs and dollars to the city, um, and what kind of opportunities do they offer New Yorkers for employment? Well, Anne, thank you so much for the work that you do and for being with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak about our work and and you know, just talking, it's very rare that you have an opportunity to sit, sort of sit back and, and think about the work that you're doing, particularly right now. So thank you. Well, it's good to, for us to share with the, the public of what you really offer and the support that you provide. So thanks again. Make sure to subscribe to Schneps Connects wherever you get your podcasts or stream us online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. Mm-hmm.